Hello and welcome everybody to Paranormal Analytical. I'm your host, Eddie Hill, along with my other host, we have the incredible sexy Rick Warren. Say hello, Rick. What's up? Hello. <laughs> and then we have the bald and sexy James Toops. Say hello, James. Hello, James. See, he does exactly <laughs> how he's told. That's the military in him right there, buddy. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's that firefighter. <laughs> well, real quick, we already have What's people over here on, waiting. Guys? We've got uh, Deborah Fawcett. Hello, Deborah. Um, James, of course, you're in there. We have uh, Tom Rudisil. It's great to have you on here, Tom. As always, I love hearing your opinions on stuff. That's what I, I really look forward to hearing. And... Uh, we have a really good show tonight. We're going to be going back to the grassroots of paranormal investigations, and we're going to be talking a little bit about home investigations and some of the things we used to do, not only nowadays, but the way we used to investigate before. And we have a blast with some of this stuff, and, and we've got some pretty crazy stories. I've got two that I'm going to share with you. I've got one that uh, was uh, really really bad one uh i'm gonna save it for last but i've got another one that was really funny but at the time kind of pissed me off but i kind of let you figure that one out once we get going with it and uh rick i know it's got some uh, incredible stories to share as well as james yes i do so we're gonna start off as always with uh rick and then from there to james and then we'll finish off with me with some of these stories and we'll kind of like throw this stuff back around back and forth a little bit so uh rick you want to fill us in on what you got well um as of recently okay last weekend uh, my partner and i went over to a house and this is a residential investigation i think i told you guys a little bit about it i'm not sure but um, when we got there, as we walked through the door, and I'm going to ask James and Eddie both, have you ever walked through the door and had activity hit you right in the face? Yes, as a matter of fact, and one time when I wasn't even looking for yes. it. Yeah. You get yeah, this that's dizzy feeling. You I... just get this weird. Oh. Now, now mm-hmm. there you go. Now, there real quick, go. I got, got to interrupt for just one second. I, and, and I know you're going to okay. appreciate this here, uh, Rick. And James, you will too. Gordon D. Park is in the room. Howdy, Gordon. Uh, I knew you was going there. And he said, I see y'all got Nancy uh, Pelosi as a guest guys. tonight. Because I see y'all got Nancy Pelosi as a guest tonight. Wait, <laughs> that's James Toops. Well, Gordon, so, just uh, just to fill you in, Gordon, we uh, we got a pair of your um, edible britches, and they do taste like mothballs. And the tag on the back does say "endorsed by Nancy." So uh, there's that. Which, by the way, she's fixing to get kicked out of office. So you I might want to so. get some different underpants, maybe some uh, Whoopi Gold hey, flavored. I don't real know. quick, or just on that just topic, putting it out there, buddy. Just on that topic, <laughs> I, I have a roll of toilet paper. Well, I had a roll of toilet paper. I gave it to a buddy of mine down the street, but it was a Nancy Pelosi toilet paper. It had her face on it. It was I, great. I would use that. I would totally use that, but I don't want my butthole to smell like ten thousand dollar refrigerator in you know uh, mothballs. So yeah. Yeah. we'll see. We'll save the Pelosi okay. for later. All right, all right. En- enough with the Pelosi jokes. Okay, Rick, jump into it, man. I want to hear what you got. I got nothing nice to say about that pitch. Okay. <laughs> no, we went over to we went over to um, I uh, had been over to Wellington, uh, Kansas, and we um, went ahead and uh, did a complete uh, Regent Theater. We had a uh, political, I mean, not a political, but a paranormal show over there explaining what home investigations were about the dousing rods, the EMF. Uh, the mail meter, the rim pod, you name it. We went over all of it and went over some of the stories. Well, I got a call about three or four days later from this lady, and she is 88 years old, and her husband is 92. And when I talked to her, she goes, I really would enjoy if you guys would come over because there's so many things I want to I show you because I know that you may – understand what we're going through we got over there eddie and james and um as we went through the door 
my partner heard this clicking, click, 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 click. I didn't hear it. I did not hear it. And we got in there and we started the interview and I set the recorder between her and I. And this is an 80 some year old woman, okay? And about eight minutes into the interview and everything, on my recorder, I heard this click, 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 click. And it's the first time I've ever heard that. But going through the door, like I said, she felt a very, I'm not gonna say malevolent presence, but there was a presence there. And I know that sometimes when we go on our home investigations, we have to walk in prepared. And I know that what we did before the investigation was to pray and to invite the white light to envelop us and to keep us in protection of what we were about ready to walk into. And what we walked into was a story that just actually kind of blew my mind, really, because I hadn't, I don't, um, I can't believe people keep things inside themselves for that long, Eddie. James, um, I don't know if you've ever been on those mm-hmm. kind of investigations to where people keep things really, really deep inside until they're able to bring it out and actually talk about it and actually put it into words what mm-hmm. they're going through and the actions that transpire in the house. And you wonder, Eddie, why did they wait so long to talk about this? Well, I have to say most people wait uh, a long time because they don't really know who to talk to. They don't want to sit there and just talk to anybody and and be made, uh, uh, you know, be ridiculed. James? Well, you know, some people can get confused for uh, paranormal activity versus negative uh, activity. So when you have people that are tortured uh souls or tortured people like people that are still alive but have um you know just a a really rough life you know and they feel like their house is you know haunted or whatever so it could be a manifestation of negative energy and that gets confused a lot you know and it's it's hard to explain like there's there's no textbook thing to explain this but, you know, so, so, oh, man, I think my house is haunted. You know, you go there, you, you, you do the interview, you try to investigate. The first thing you find out is that you have damaged people. And um, they have a very, very negative outlook. And they have a very negative aura about them. But their house is not haunted. It could be just a negative thing that's coming up. And I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, these you know, a lot of false, I don't want to say a false accusation of, of hauntings, but um, just a, a a different, you know, perspective on, hey, man, I think my house is haunted. Well, nah, no, it's not really you have a very negative, you know, vibe. Okay, on that right there, James, I'm going to read something here. Uh, Gordon says, can a living person impart their demons on a house while they are alive? Yes, they can. And it's not really their demons. Yes. It's the negative energy yeah. that they have. A lot of people that have negative energy, negative energy or died in a violent way or had something very bad happen to them or uh, died quickly of something that was uh, violent, uh, a lot of times leaves that negative negative energy around that house and it attaches itself to different objects, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a spirit or just mm-hmm. uh, uh, their essence. I mean, who's to say for sure, but that does happen a lot. And a lot of, uh, a lot of times you end up with these... Uh, hauntings that are strictly just uh playbacks of something bad that happened or something that happened residual. in a person's life which is yeah a residual haunting which mm-hmm. a person is you know basically doing the same thing over and over and they don't physically interact with the living they just do their own thing and that's pretty much what everybody sees and then you've got a a, a haunting where people or where the the dead actually interact with the with the living, right? And that intelligent, yeah, intelligent haunting, and that is where these entities can see you, can hear you, can interact with you, that kind of a thing. So you've got several different types of hauntings, mm-hmm. and I mean the the ones that are intelligent, like uh, Rick said, those are the ones that we actually try and communicate with and try and grab uh, evidence of that haunting because a a residual kind of just does its own thing whenever it's almost like a burst of energy like 
a house or a staircase or a desk or something that's in that house almost does a playback almost like a computer like a video of something that transpired at one point in time in that residence and it's a playback of that instance and you just see it but it that what you're watching has no idea you're there now there was a uh, i, I want to say it was almost a residual but it was kind of intelligent where a lady uh close to the uh confederate uh lines where there was a lot of killings and stuff in this one house had an experience where she saw a confederate soldier and the soldier saw her at the same time both of them they, she said, had this panic look. She said she was scared to death. She says, mm-hmm. but this entity mm-hmm. was also scared to death. So when yeah. the soldier saw her, he freaked. When she saw him, she freaked. And it was almost like, it was almost like they were looking at each other through a time warp. Like maybe it wasn't a, maybe it wasn't that soldier wasn't dead. Maybe he was alive at that moment. And he mm-hmm. saw her and she saw him. I mean, who's to say? But there's a lot of things that are out there that are similar to this. And that's why we dive into the paranormal. Uh, Rick, you got any uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. Because yeah, so, what, what happened, okay. what Rick, happened in, in that, what happened in an instance, guys, was the fact that this was a generational haunt. Uh, you understand what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are families and there mm-hmm. are things that happen in family lines and things that happen with other individuals as far as being related to people that can be transferred from one to another down a generational line. And some of them call it a generational uh, curse, James. Have you ever run into that? Yeah, and I was fixing to speak just on that. You, you just... You're reading my wow. mind right now. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. So, Eddie, you're talking about the uh, the negative impact and everything else. I like to call it a negative imprint. So, whenever you have, uh, say, a family moves into a house, uh, uh, the husband beats his wife, beats his kids, you know, he's a real piece of shit, all this other stuff. That's negative energy. It stays in that house. Something happens to where the, the family moves out of that house, a new family moves in. And then that energy is still there and it builds. Well, when it builds, you have a family that's normal that don't beat each other up. They go into this house and living and they have this negative imprint that's still in that house, right? Next thing you know, <clears throat> it imprints on that family. And then they, they start saying, well, what the hell is going on? You go to Gordon's point. He's talking about actual demons. Well, when mm-hmm. you do that, when you go into a place and you have a negative imprint, it breaks down your, your mentality breaks down you and everything else and guess what happens it leaves you open it leaves you open for actual demons actual things to come into your life right yeah that's what happens once you get this openness you have all this stuff and just like gordon uh, talking about you know this imprint imprints on down the line so this family can move out of this house the energy is still there the negativity is still in this place the third family that moves in now you have this haunting because you have guys and demons and everything else because the previous family let that shit in and now everything is just starting to build before you know it you have a house like hill house or you have amityville or you have something like that that's how that kind of thing starts it starts off innocent the house the location's innocent but the energy builds and it and it just goes from there it's Next like a lot it's a like a lot of it uh, doesn't matter if you're on top of a burial mound or you know, it's there. It is. There yeah, it's, it's what it is. It's like a lot of homes that have had a lot of uh, witchcrafts and seances and things of that in, uh, in them. I mean, you kind of open up these portals, and uh, you have these energies that do come through. And a lot of people say, "Oh, I can control what comes in and out." No, you can't. You cannot no. really control what comes in and out of one of these portals because you, there's no way to no. tell what it is. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care how sensitive people are. I, and I get that a lot of people want to believe that, but you cannot control what comes in and out. You really can't. And you have to be very careful. No. Uh, Lisa says that uh, she had that exact same experience every night for eight years. Could you imagine every night for eight wow. years having something like that happen? Uh, Gordon says, it's, is it possible that viewing ghosts are actual time or dimensional portals? Yes. Uh, and that's where we were talking about just now as far as that uh, Confederate soldier. 
a lot of times what we may be looking at, we may be looking through a, a portal of some sort of space and time to another, to another point in time. Uh, maybe that's why that soldier was scared. Maybe he saw that lady and was like, what the heck was that? You know, at the same time, she's looking at him going, what the heck was that? You know, could this mm-hmm. be a transfer of time and space? I mean, it, it's a possibility. Well, you know, if, if you go back and think hey, about the Philadelphia the- experiment, go think about the Philadelphia experiment. Well, they were, yeah. they were messing around with time and space, right? And they had this huge electromagnetic thing on this boat, on this, on this Navy ship. And these guys are thrust into the future 30 years. Now, is it that, or is it somebody that's actually passed or that, you know, so there's so many things out there that we don't know about. But the thing is, is that we investigate head first. We dive right into it and try now, to see and get as much evidence as we can. But the problem is we, it's hard to build a conclusion when you don't know a battery or you don't know all the facts of, okay, could it be time travel? Could it be this? Could it be that? What is it? So it's hard, it's hard to come up with a conclusion but nonetheless, we dive headfirst into it and try to find out all the facts, all the evidence as we can. Right. We draw a baseline and we draw a now, conclusion of what we know. Now, we you know, did that's, do... That's the hardest part about investigation. We did do a show on the Philadelphia Experiment, and uh, we had uh, Dylan Holiday yeah. on there doing the show, and he made a really good argument on that as far as whether it was real or not. And he made a good argument, you know, as far as that, a lot of that being uh, uh, fake or made up. But... There's a lot of people that still believe, regardless of the facts that he brought out, that that may have taken place. But he did a really good argument on that, and I, I was really impressed with the argument that uh, he did on that one. Uh, Rick, you want to continue in with some of your stories? Sure. I want to. I want to say that um, I want to get back to the generational thing, okay? Because when we walked into this house with this woman and this man being 92 and 87 or 88 years old. Um, the generational thing is what amazed me. And yet at the same time, I'm feeling like when we're in this house, okay, this woman is bringing about this poltergeist. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. When people have that energy and have that ability to sit there. And over time, there are certain circumstances that has happened in that house and in that family generational. Okay. In the family. And it is a negativity that is brought about into the house, into the people's lives, and something that you have to look at because they themselves bring it on. Do you see what I'm saying, Eddie? Correct. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're saying. And, and also, now, James, what stories do you have as far as uh, that goes? So I'll start off with, uh, with a serious one. Did my mic just crack? What is it? You heard that? I got to clean some pots up there. So I'll start off with one. And you're you're, you're, with, you're kind of a last one. Hey, James, you're kind of Darth vader out on us. Yeah. <clears throat> How about now? Check this one, two, hey. A little bit better. There you go. How's that? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I got some. I got something going on on board. I don't know. Um, who's who's your internet provider? Just so we don't ever get them. Kind of noise. Say what? Said who's your internet provider? So we never get them. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Xfinity or uh, Internet Eight? I don't know. What it, is. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. I'm not. I don't think it's my internet. I think it's actually my board. I got some my board's dirty. No, no, this is way, this so, is definitely um, a friend of mine. I grew up with. This is definitely internet. Is it glitchy? Is it internet? Yeah, it's definitely internet. It's internet. It's kind of like you're pixelating. Oh shit! Let me see what I got. Okay. Um. Hey, Scooby. For now, let me switch over to uh to hotspot. Okay. Alrighty, so, Rick. Okay. You want to continue on, with another, another story? Okay. Um, what I found was the fact that not only was she emulating a power to herself in the essence of what was going on into her home, but at the same time, um, what I found was the fact, Eddie, that this could follow you. And I've had that happen before in a, in a cemetery one time that when I got home, that I had actually 
had this follow me home at that point. Now, the same thing with her was the fact that everything in her life was following her. Hmm. And that in itself, as far as a generational curse or a generational ability for entities and or ghosts or whatever you want to call them to follow you into your home can be something that is that is very interesting because it is like i said generational not only is it from grandfather to grandmother to grand to grandson to son to daughter to mom and dad and everything else like that but it goes down throughout the generations and that's what we're looking at as far as sometimes when people when you're doing a home investigation and it's so important it is so important even if you're there on the initial interview to sit there and understand and get all of the information that you can and sometimes during those interviews eddie have you ever had um have you ever had them tell you things that you know just just surprised you I mean, totally surprised you. Oh yeah, that 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 kind of information would come out to you. I can't really I can't really divulge everything that that she told me because a client, you know, privilege and confidentiality. Okay, but those are things that on a home investigation, okay, that you have to look out for, that you have to put in the equational essence of what you are going to find in that home sometimes and sometimes you as a personality get mixed up into that home equation yes you do yes you do and i understand exactly what you're talking about and we've had that happen so many times but that is why it's so important in order to do an interview prior to an investigation to make sure that you have all the facts have all the knowledge that you can of the place and its surrounding area and it's also very important not to give any of that information to a psychic if you're using one they need to be taken in cold they need to be taken in without any knowledge of the place and you need to follow them around and take notes of what they're saying and then try and match them up with the information that you received that's very important to do james how are we doing you back yeah, I guess uh, you got me. Yeah, we got there you. you. Go. There you go. Okay, so let let's hear your story. Yeah, I, I, I switched to us. I, I had to switch to hotspot. I'm so sick of this friggin' internet. This Xfinity bullshit <laughs> pissed me off. But anyway, well, we have we, we've um, got so five I minutes up, to get into um, your story. I grew up on, an, and then we're going to go uh, on break. So we got five got, minutes. What's up? We got five minutes to go Whoa, into your story. Back. Then we're going to go on break. Everything glitched. Okay. All right. So I'll be real quick. So I grew up in uh, South Louisiana and it, it was on a peninsula, basically it wasn't an Island, but uh, where I grew up at um, on either side of the Island that I grew up on was cane fields and it was slave quarters and it was all, you know, Southern Louisiana slave quarter and stuff like that. Uh, I had a friend of mine. Um, he might be on tonight. His name is Gilbert. Uh, he might be on tonight. I don't know. But um, he had a house uh, down there next to a park on the street that we grew up on. And um, that park had graves in it. They, they, it was a graveyard for the slave quarters, and they just put a bunch of dirt on top of it and made a park out of it later on. Well, he w- we were never allowed at his house. Um, and, you know, we were never allowed to sleep over at his house. And the reason being is because it was so freaking haunted. Uh, they didn't want anybody over there. They didn't want the word getting out. Um, this was, this went on for about five or six years. And, uh, after, after that time, they ended up moving out of that house and up the street on the same street, probably about 15 houses up, they bought another house to move out of that one. And, um, you know, so the, the residential thing, like everybody I knew around his house and that park in that area, it was super bad. It was really bad. And I could send you the actual i don't know if i could do a google map or something like that but um i remember the guy we actually dug up a grave stone uh in the park his name was isaac johnson world war ii tech four was the name of on that headstone uh and like where the swing sets are that's where the guy's grave is and they have a marker there now 
there's so many stories him? that came out of that, you know, that, that guy's uh, yeah, it did. It did. It Absolutely. Him? Yeah. I, was gonna ask uh, I remember being at the new house. Yeah. We, yeah. It followed my friend Gilbert. It followed them to the new house. And I remember being at his house and now we're allowed to have sleepovers and all this other stuff and everything else. And we were hanging out there one night, look out the window and somebody ran up the driveway and waved really fast and just vanished. And it was like, shit. I told my buddy, I'm like, dude, whatever you got going on down the street, you got it going on now. Yeah. It was, it's like somebody just, it was a two story house. We were up elevated and this thing ran and it waved and just went, that was it. It was like, that's crazy. (laughs) You got it here now, dude. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it was crazy. It was really crazy. That is crazy. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. I think the residential thing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll we'll come back to that, to residential versus, I think, uh, commercial. It's it's pretty pretty big difference. (laughs) Absolutely. It is a big difference. So everybody kick back, relax. We're going to be back here in just a little bit. And uh, we're going to play a little tune for you, which is kind of cool. It actually kind of fits in with some of the crap we're going through right now. So uh, go ahead and stand by for that one and uh, see what you think of it. It's uh, strange. Very strange. Awesome. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. At this hour, we repeat, these are the facts as we There is an epidemic of mass murder being committed by a virtual army of unidentified assassins. The murders are taking place in villages, rural homes, and suburbs.
And we are back from our little break. What y'all think about that little tune? That was kind of crazy, wasn't it? That was pretty crazy. Remember we were talking about that old Orson Welles, War of the World? Yeah. This is a zombie version of that, I think. Something similar anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was kind of cool. I'm G just now. Huh? I didn't hear you. I, Try I was feeling my Warren G just now. Mom, mom. <laughs> Chick says, hey, can you, hey, chicken sandwich. <laughs> okay, we can hear him. Do you have me now? We got you. All right, uh, James, you want to continue with your story on that All one? Right. Well, no, that, that was about it for that. But uh, I have a, a, a new recent one. So um, we went to this uh, person's house, and uh, they went on vacation. And they're like, hey, man, we got some stuff going on in the house. You know, we're uh, we're kind of freaking out, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so we're like, all right, cool. So they went on vacation. We set up in the house. And, um, you know, it was like, all right. So we, we got static cameras going on. We got, you know, laser grids. We got all, the, all this shit going on. And um, we, we absolutely. So, Eddie, actually, I went live with you uh, on the show w- from that place. And uh, I don't know if you remember, I was in the hood. <laughs> hey, say in again, man. Hood. You muted. <laughs> yeah, I was in the hood. <laughs> so I was packing. I'm like, look, bro, I'm over here in the hood. I'm going to do this investigation. <laughs> you know, so we stayed there the whole night. Uh, well, no, I, I don't want to lie to you. Not the whole night. So we were there probably till like three in the morning until I called it. I'm like, all right, I'm done. So the house was like, you know, uh, man, I don't know. It was just like a, it, to me, it was like a trap house. Like it was really dirty and just kind of grossed out. Didn't want to put anything down on the floors. Uh, we still did our thing. You know, we went in and tried to, uh, you know, investigate as much as we could minus the, uh, you know, bugs and things that were going on. Dude. And uh, at one point in the night, they had this, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like that. So at one point in the night, there was like, I heard like a baby crying. I was like, what the hell is that? You know, so we got this baby crying. What the fuck? So I'm looking all over the place. We don't see anything, you know, as far as like babies, you know, nobody else was there, right? Just our team, um, the reactive paranormal. And uh, so, you know, I'm looking all over the place and I follow it down to a window in this back bedroom. And uh, I get to this window, and I still hear this weird baby crying noise, right? So, uh, man, I look out the window. I don't see anything. So I open the window, and there's a, a rocking chair right underneath the window, and there's a puppy's head stuck in it. Like, so this little puppy had his head stuck in the, the bars of the back of this chair, and he was hanging from his neck, and he was squealing. like It sounded like a baby. What the heck? I mean, yeah. that's crazy. So I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So it was in their backyard, and they had this, so picture a chair like, you know, this, and the the dog's head was stuck right here, but he's hanging from this chair, and it's this cute little dog. So I open the window, I see this dog, and I'm like, oh, shit. So, well, I go to reach down for this dog, and this pit bull runs out from underneath the house, yeah, yeah, a little bitty old dog like that. Yeah. And this pit bull runs out from underneath the house, and I'm like, shit. So I'm trying to reach the dog, but they got a pit bull sitting right there, and he's finna eat my ass up. And so all I could do is, like, grab the chair from the top and lift it up to the window and take this poor little dog and pull his head out of the chair and set the chair down and put the dog, you know, I had to drop them. I ain't gonna lie, by like two foot because they had like a, a big ass pit bull who's <laughs> fixing to eat my <laughs> wrist off. And I had to drop this dog. And then, you know, <laughs> it was crazy, man. So we didn't catch anything at all. Like, and they were hell bent on, hey, my house is super haunted and this and that, you know, but we didn't catch really anything at all. And we went, me and Kristen, one of my teammates in Reactive, we went over the uh, all the footage and all of the uh, audio and everything else. And really, did I could debunk everything that was in the in the footage, you know, in, in the audio and stuff. So it was like it was one of those one of those investigations. Like, okay, all right, we'll check your place out, you know. But when we got there, it was like, oh my god, what did we get into, you know? And then by th- two two thirty, three o'clock, I'm like, you know what, I'm out. Let's go. Let's pack the shit up and let's go. You know, there were so many little things, and it was uh, it was just one of those things that you just like, no, 
but back to the uh, the the residential versus commercial. Um, how do you feel about like so when you go to a place uh, like say an abandoned hospital or an insane asylum or something like that, and it's actually a company they make you sign a waiver and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. when you go there, you know, they kind of build it up. They build it up for you. They're like, all right, yeah. So we have so much activity in this area of the hospital, or we have so much over here in this area of the jail and blah, blah, blah. And so you're like, okay, um, is it building it up or is it, is it, are they trying to sell you on something? Or are they trying to get you to uh, promote it to somebody else? versus residential so when you go to residential you're like hey man i think my house is haunted um let's check this out you know so there's so many differences a lot of times in residential this stuff residentials are more hush hush they want to keep it quiet more than say a commercial commercials uh businesses whether it's a hospital or an old jail or whatever the case may be of course, they're going to want you to put out what your findings are. Um, they tell you most of the time, like uh, Deborah Fawcett, uh, she, I think she may be on here still. Deborah Fawcett does the Olavaca County Jail, and that's where a lot of investigators yeah, go. Yeah, she is there. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Rick uh, had been talking to her, and Rick's going to be making a trip down. And I believe we talked to you already where we want to get enough equipment in there where we can really do a great investigation. Now, Paranormal Analytical has already been there once. And I have to tell you, that place is freaking cool. And And I don't mean just cool from the standpoint of it being cool as like it looks good. It That place has a lot of history, a lot of cool stuff in it. Um it was it was an incredible experience to to be there um we had a really good uh filming it was uh deborah just an awesome person all the way around i mean you, you, you when, when you meet deborah you're going to be really really impressed with her she's such a, a great lady and uh very so, hospitable and she does everything so she there's can. places there but the jailhouse is like that eddie that are that are legit there there is places like that that are legit but there yeah. are all the there's also these other places that'll you know be like hey you know hey this place is so haunted and all this other stuff but that's and why you have to they, do your the homework way they present the way they uh they, they push it on you it's it makes you feel like it's a it's almost rigged you know there's some places like you walk into and you're like hey man i don't know by the presentation but, but it feels see, like this place might be rigged that's why you, you know, have and, to do your uh, homework a few of those you have to do your homework on these places in order to uh, get the most out of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but talk mm-hmm. to fellow investigators. You know, there's going to be other investigators who have probably been there. Um, and, and they can tell you the experiences that yeah. they had. Now, I'm going to get into I'm, some of mine real quick because we're getting short on time. Well, oh, okay. And... Uh, so I'm going to jump in there real quick and, and, and tell a couple of my stories and then we're going to toss back around some of the stuff that we talked about. But the first one I'm going to talk about real quick was what happens when you run into a hoax? Y'all ever run into a hoax? <laughs> yeah. No, not not full on like straight through. Full it. on right caught on video. Speakers, no, but. no, no, no. Full on caught on video hoax. Video standing right out in the open. There's no way you're going to miss where that video camera is. And yet they still try and pull one over on you. Like yep. the video camera is not even on. Mm-hmm. One time we had this investigation. I'm not kidding you. This was really, it was a really great location. Looked great. It was a home case. It was a residential. And this lady was having night terrors, all kinds of crazy stuff. The husband was freaking out for her. The kids were freaking out for her. Uh, Almost possessions taking place. I mean, it was like the smorgasbord of a home haunting. You're like, yeah. I can jump into this. This is going to be good. You know, you're salivating at the mouth. Can't wait to investigate it, right? Yeah. So we sat up base station out back, outside. And we're in the Texas Hill Country. Beautiful. Stars are out. Got cameras everywhere. 
got audio recorders everywhere. You couldn't fart in that house without someone knowing about it. All right? I mean, we had that place covered from head to toe. I can't do that normally. (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, this was great. So check this out. We've got a static camera. We have a static camera in the bedroom where this lady claimed to be being possessed, objects moving, objects disappearing, all this great stuff. So we really had this one covered. Um, We had, of course, the DVR set up with about 13 cameras throughout the whole place at the time. And, I mean, seriously, you couldn't go anywhere without us knowing about it. Now, the bedroom was the one place we just had a static camera. And there was, you know what a Kong is, right? A rubber Kong for a dog? Mm -hmm. A rubber dong? No, Kong. A a Kong? (laughs) Not a dong. We know know where James's mind is tonight, everybody. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, well, well, for James's amusement, we're going to say there was a rubber dong, not battery operated. Okay, and it, and it was laying on Sorry, the bed. It was laying on the bed, this lady's bed. Her husband was really worried about her, you know, blah, blah, blah. We left the Kong, K-O-N-G, Kong, K-H-O-N-G, something like that. Kong, laying on the bed. I'm having a tough time with this. Indestructible rubber ball for dogs. All right. Laying on the bed so that we could have a trigger object just in case something moved. Well, the bedroom was the one room we could not actually see, you know, on the DVR. Uh, We had that one just covered by a static camera. The rest, DVR cameras were scattered throughout the house. No matter where you went in that house, we could see you. And while we're sitting there, this was getting kind of late. We were recording. We are sending in uh, a team about every 30 minutes or so to go in and, and uh, try and collect EVPs or try and make contact with something. Well, the lady came up to me and said, you know, she goes, I really got to use the restroom. And I was like, well, go ahead. I was like, not a problem. So I pulled the team out. And the restroom was in her bedroom where we just had the static camera. We had no cameras in the bathroom, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you know, privacy. We just had the camera there in the bedroom. So she went to the bathroom. And while she was, we were waiting and waiting. And then a little bit later, we were st- sitting there. And Renee Rodriguez, our mad scientist, and... Uh, uh, we were all we were just kind of outside kicked back and, and uh, Patrick Newcomb our medic and while we're sitting there we hear this loud bang on something that hit something tin and bounced and we're like what the hell was that and we started looking around and we found the rubber Kong not dong the rubber Kong was on the ground and we were like is this a rubber Kong from the bedroom and we started looking and Renee grabbed the Kong and went back to the bedroom and went and looked. And sure enough, it was that rubber Kong. We're like, holy shit. That thing ended up outside somehow. We got whatever it was on tape. You know, we've got this thing transporting itself out of the room or disappearing off the bed. It had to because the camera was on it and made its way outside. We're jumping up and down. We're like, we got the Holy Grail, everybody. <laughs> you know, this is great. Hell this yeah. is good stuff. That's so, we started reviewing the tapes. And we were frothing at the mouth and just drooling, right? We couldn't wait to see what happened with that rubber Kong. And we're looking at it. And we see the lady walk in the bedroom and she goes to the bathroom closes the door she comes out she looks at the rubber kong on the bed she looks straight into the camera grabs the rubber kong shoves it in her pants and walks out so immediately we switch over to the dvr right so we're looking at the dvr you see her walk through the hallway 
to the living room, open up the door, pull the Kong out of her pants, and throw it. And then you hear us hooting, hollering, going, woohoo! Mm hmm. Well, I'd had a slapper with a rubber dong in the face. <laughs> if we would have had that rubber dong you're talking about, we would have. So, anyway, get this. It gets better. Get this. So, we tell her husband, hey, this isn't a haunting you have. Okay. You really should keep an eye on your wife and, and maybe mm-hmm. get her some medical attention because there's an issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's she's seeking attention because she let us talk all that smack about the ball transporting itself and everything else while uh, Mm -hmm. all this was taking place. So we're like, what the heck? So what does he do? He gets mad at us. (laughs) Of course. Because we... Brought Got it him. to his attention. Yep. He was, mm-hmm. I, I think he was wanting well, to you believe can't trust his wife. With a rubber dong in her pants. Yeah, if it would have been a rubber dong, it might have been a different story. But. It might as well have been. You know. I mean, shit. The, <laughs> the fact that, you know, he, I think he wanted wow, to believe her so bad. That, that is shady, man. Yeah, he wanted to believe her so bad. Yeah. That, you know, of course he focused his mm-hmm. anger on us. And that's okay. But he really needed to get her some help because she was really seeking attention. She was cutting herself. There was cut marks on her. They weren't scratches. They were cuts. So I think she was seeking attention and she was blaming it on a demon. We caught no evidence whatsoever, no EVPs, no manifestations, no shadow figures, no nothing other than the rubber Kong. Wow. So... I mean, Damn, man. you know, I, at the very yeah, least, so. I hope, you know, that she got medical attention and, you know, and, and had something happen to, to fix her because she was having a, she was really in a dark place, you know, and seeking uh, all kinds of uh, attention from anybody. So, I mean, that was mm-hmm. the that was the one hoax that we really had that we captured on video. And it was it was crazy because I mean it wasn't like the camera was hidden, the camera was on a tripod standing like five feet from the bed, aimed at the rubber ball. Oh, so how she thought she could just grab the rubber ball and nobody would pay attention to it, and go pitch it, you know, is beyond me. So that brings me to the next story. And this one dealing with a demonic. Oh, wow. We had a 13-year-old girl up in Smiley, Texas. And very bright, very well-mannered 13-year-old that was scared to death to be in her room. There were dark shadows, dark figures that were moving around through her room taking objects, hmm. toys, that kind of a thing, fling them, flinging them around the room, uh, just basically just scaring the shit out of her. Um, mm-hmm. We showed up over there for an interview. And while we were there at the interview, we were talking, she was living with her grandma. Uh, we didn't know this at the time, but her parents had split and you know, kind of left her with grandma. Grandma was taking care of her. And mm-hmm. while we were talking to grandma, all of a sudden all hell broke loose upstairs. I mean, it sounded like a tornado was going through the upstairs room. And I told the grandma, I was like, what is that? And the grandma said, that's whatever it is that's up there. So I grabbed this other police officer that was with me and we went upstairs. And on the way up the stairs, he was in front of me and we we're going up these flight of stairs. And I'm not kidding you, this house looked menacing as shit there was a thunderstorm coming in to top it off so there was dark skies there was lightning this place looked like the amityville i mean it would just look that menacing i mean you walk up when you're standing outside looking up at the place you could just feel how heavy how dark how Mm -hmm. irritable this place was even before you step foot in it 
So as we're walking up the stairs, he flings himself backwards. I catch him. It's like, what the hell? He goes, something pushed me. Something shoved me. I was like, what? He goes, it hit me on the chest. He picked up his T-shirt. He had two handprints like this on his chest where something slapped the shit out of him, knocking him backwards. And he would have went down the stairs if I didn't catch him. Yep. He goes, I'm not going up. I was like, you're going up. He goes, I'm not going up. I was like, you're going up. <laughs> I was like, you're not backing down. I was like, keep walking. And so I forced him to continue up the stairs. When I got up to the top of the stairs, I told him, I was like, start, you know, looking around. Let's see what's there, what's going on. I mean, there's got to be stuff in disarray. I mean, it sounded like there was a tornado going through it. We looked around. Nothing was out of place. Not a cabinet, not a mirror, not a shoe, not a piece of clothing, nothing. Everything looked good. Everything was in good shape. And do you realize, Phyllis, that we've been doing all this talking? We're not even connected. We're gonna what? set that back up to go, but we're gonna we're keep not. No, but we're gonna keep talking because we are recording still. So Bring it on. Um while we're going up and looking around, we found nothing wrong anywhere. Nothing. And it was it was kind of a shock because I was literally expecting there to be something bad going on. And there was nothing. So we set up for an investigation. And we set up recorders. We set up video cameras. We set up all kinds of stuff. And we didn't find anything bad at all. But when we came back really? to the place, we picked up EVPs. After all that. Yeah, we picked up EVPs of voices that were calling my name, voices that were calling some of my oh. team's names. Mm-hmm. We were picking oh. up, we even picked up a dark shadow, a hat man. The hat man didn't have a hat. It was just the man with the cape. So we hmm. saw this. And it was going up through the bottom floor of the living room. And it traveled up through the ceiling. And as it made it up through the ceiling, it made it into the little girl's room. Well, guess who was in the little girl's room? Oh. Me. Hmm. At that very same time on the timestamp, I was in there. And while I was in there, I was basically telling this thing, all right, you like scaring little kids, scare me. I dare you. Right. Oh, shit. I dare you to come scare me. Mm. But at the time, I had no idea what I was dealing with. I didn't know what I was dealing with. I'd never had a demonic case before. And I was like, you like scaring mm -hmm. little kids? Come scare me. Well, at the very same time on the timestamp that I was doing this, this dark shadow, which stood about eight feet tall, came up through the floor, blocked out of sight a lazy boy chair that was behind it as it went up into the ceiling into the little girl's room. So while I'm in that room saying all this, there was an EVP that came out on the camcorder that when I said, you like scaring little kids, come scare me. You hear this voice say, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. On the recording, like, what are you going to do? Basically taunting me. Yeah. Oh, so it was, it was being like a smart ass right and, oh i'm so scared yeah, yeah come do me something yeah i was like you like scare little mm -hmm. girls come scare me i'm so scared very deep wow okay well i gathered all my evidence together video audio the whole works and i sent it all to john zaffis and john zaffis is the nephew of ed and lorraine warren and he's also a demonologist. Mm -hmm. Well, I happened to be on patrol yep. and I was cruising around. 
And while I was on patrol, I uh, get a phone call from John's office. And he said, let me tell you something. What you're dealing with is a demonic. He goes, you're going to have to get the church involved. Now, I was kind of stunned. I'd never dealt with a demonic case. And uh, so I uh, went ahead and I, I knew there was a Baptist church right across the street from this house. So I went there. And I talked to the pastor that was there and I said, look, I said, is there any way I can get you to come over and do a cleansing of this home? And he goes, nope, <laughs> I'm not stepping foot in there. And see, and John Zaffis told me, he goes, you're going to think very differently of the clergy when you go to get the church involved. I said, how's that? He said, because they're not going to want to. Well, here I am firsthand figuring this out. And, and I told the guy, I was like, look, I was like, these people wow. need help. I was like, you are the head of this Baptist church, are you not? And he goes, yes, I am. And I was like, then you should come over and do a cleansing of this house because these people need help. And he was like, I'm not stepping foot in there. I know what goes on in there. And really, and so I said, well, and they, they were not about it at all. No, and I told him, I was like, you need to come in. He goes, I'm not going to step foot in there. I said, then you suck as a pastor. I said, Thank I, you. And I told him, I was yeah. like, you have no business leading a congregation if you cannot step in foot into a house of, with people that need your help. I was like, you are a piece of shit. Eddie, when I first started getting into the uh, paranormal and things like that, I've had a lot of denominational churches basically snub their nose, turn the other way. And even in this investigation that I'm doing right now, there is a priest that walked out of her house and said, I want nothing to do with this. And this is a pretty common place. I mean, it, it, it's, it surprises me a lot to think that we have clergy and pastors and priests who do not want to take care of the people that their calling has called them to do. Oh yeah. I, and I agree. Well, there is so, an order. There, so I went, there's an order of operation when it comes to the clergy. So the, right. they do have demonologists and they have experts. Right. That's else. Catholic. So some of these guys just shy away from it. Yeah. But that's a Catholic. That's yeah. not Baptist. Right. Okay. So that I went and I right. spoke to uh, Monsignor uh, Gorman or Gorman and great priest. I mean, I've known this guy for a long time, you know, love him to death. He's got that awesome Irish accent, you know, and uh, he goes, what can I do for you, Eddie? I was like, well, I was like, let me tell you what we got going. He knew what I did. And so I pulled over there in my patrol car and I got out. I was in uniform and everything. And I said, I said, uh, can we go to your office? I said, I want to let you listen to some stuff. So I took him to his office and I played all our audio evidence. And he told me right there, he goes, unfortunately, we don't have a bishop that uh, can, uh, that is able to uh, give me the, the rights to go and do an exorcism. He goes, but I'll tell you what, he goes, I'll give you everything I have so that you can go and do what you can. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. So he loaded me down with holy water, crucifixes, uh, prayers. Whoa. I mean, I mean, I, I look like a Boy Scout going into battle, right? <laughs> And, and I told him, I was like, I was like, you know, I said, it's kind of odd father. I was like, you guys are like the Marines of this stuff. I was like, and we're going to be over there like a bunch of boy scouts over there playing at a campfire. And he goes, I understand. He goes, but there's nothing I can do. He goes, I hope that it works for you. And he goes and come, let me know what happens. I was like, I will. So off to war I go. And we went to war twice in that house, making a long story short cleansing the whole works many of us had the same dreams the dreams of a little girl wearing a yellow with white polka dot dress craziest thing you ever seen and we all spoke about that and it was it was completely 
out of this world what we were dealing with. But we had to keep going. So we continued. We continued to push forward. We continued to try and make this investigation the best we could. And it turned out that the little girl finally called me back and said, don't come back here anymore because it's my grandma that keeps calling this thing back. So I had to make a phone call and get her parents to show up and take that little kid back and, you know, get her the help that she needed with her parents. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and these are the kind of uh, cases that we end up with on occasion. So that's about where we're going to leave it. Until next time, for uh, Rick Warren, James Toops, and myself, we wish everybody a great and fabulous Saturday night. We love you guys. We hope and pray that y'all stay safe and have fun and do some investigations and let us know how they go. So take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.